Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Reflecting on this, I decided to follow her advice, and I noticed profound changes in my own dogs. Enhanced energy, healthier skin, and an overall younger demeanor. It's truly heartwarming to see them so vibrant and full of life. Go to badlandsfood.com hometown and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash hometown. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Has it ever been okay to wear blackface? It's obviously a terrible thing, but are there exceptions? I ask because I think I may have found one while reading the other night, and I can't stop thinking about it. For those of you who need a little background, blackface is a form of theatrical makeup that white performers have used throughout history to portray and demean black people. The dark substance white performers would put on their faces was typically shoe polish, grease paint, or burnt cork, and the end result was as ridiculous and off-putting as you might imagine. Performers in blackface mocked and ridiculed people of color. As the History Channel put it, white performers in blackface played characters that portrayed a range of negative stereotypes about African Americans, including being lazy, ignorant, superstitious, hypersexual, criminal, or cowardly. Nobody was putting on blackface to play the part of an ultra-intelligent aristocrat constantly outsmarting the people around him, or to play the hero who saved the day and got the girl. However you spin it, there's just no way to redeem blackface as an art form. And who would want to? It's an openly racist act of aggression against a marginalized people group, and it's not remotely funny. If you ever want to research this, you'll be surprised at what you find. The most jarring image for me was that of Shirley Temple, America's sweetheart of the 1930s. Looking out innocently, if a bit beleaguered, through a face full of shoe polish, That something so insidious could ever be so ordinary is just shocking. But even Shirley Temple wasn't as shocking as this other, yet more famous example of blackface in American history. And I actually think you'll find it forgivable, if a bit misguided. In 1959, a middle-aged white man from Dallas, Texas, deliberately darkened his skin with stain and creams, 
for the purpose of temporarily passing as a person of color. He underwent skin treatments with a dermatologist and sat under sun lamps for hours at a time to achieve this desired effect. He then, and I'm cringing here too, practiced what he believed to be, quote, an African-American accent in order to perfect his performance. And he did all of this, why? To fight racism, of course. You see, none of this performance was intended for the stage. This was theater without the actual theater. In order to expose the systemic injustice and prejudice of American society, his name was John Howard Griffin, a journalist who often wrote about racial injustice and inequality. Frustrated with the lack of change in society, Griffin wanted to expose white America to itself from the other side of the collar line, through the eyes of a fellow Caucasian. He wanted to bring white expectations and habits into the margins of society and have them thwarted and violated within the limits of the black experience. Griffin's disgust with racism had been fueled decades earlier by his time in Europe during World War II. Appalled by the anti-Semitism of the Axis powers, he joined the French resistance and helped smuggle Jewish children away from the Holocaust and into Great Britain. Following this experience, he became a journalist and committed his life to fighting the racist evils of his own country, which commitment ultimately led to the project he would be most remembered for. Having darkened his skin and shaved his hair, Griffin went undercover and became a shoeshiner in New Orleans. He tried to drink at white fountains and use white bathrooms. Even the simplest of conveniences were suddenly off-limits. He said of his experience, quote, More than once I walked into a drugstore where a black man can buy cigarettes or anything else except soda fountain service. I asked politely where I might find a glass of water. Though they had water not three yards away, they carefully directed me to the nearest black cafe. Now this was hardly a revelation to any American person of color, but it shook Griffin up. It's one thing to know of something, and another to experience it firsthand. One by one, he explored the social disadvantages of his adopted pigmentation in the attempt to critique and enlighten white America. Admittedly, this was a harebrained thing to do, as well as a minefield of potential faux pas. But Griffin's heart was in the right place. He wanted change, and this was the best way he knew to go about it. Granted, he was a journalist and was undoubtedly just as excited about the potential for good copy, but let's not be too cynical. Griffin knew his social experiment would also cost him personally, and to the end of his life, long after his skin had returned to its normal pigmentation, there were still many places in white society where it was unsafe for him to go. In 1964, just over a decade after the publication of his full expose called Black Like Me, Griffin was stranded with a flat tire in rural Mississippi when a group of white men approached him with what appeared to be tools to help him. They had something else in mind. They'd recognized the author from the television interviews and nearly beat him to death with chains, leaving him unconscious on the side of the road. Fortunately, he lived. But the recovery was a long one. His own hometown, Mansfield, Texas, also turned against him, and a dummy was made of him and publicly hanged in effigy. In his book, Griffin describes what he calls the, quote, 
hate stare, a look some whites give him when they're tired of being polite. He says of this hate stare, quote, Nothing can describe the withering horror of this. You feel lost, sick at heart before such an unmasked hatred. Not so much because it threatens you as because it shows humans in such an inhuman light. You see a kind of insanity, something so obscene. The very obscenity of it terrifies you. I felt like saying, what in God's name are you doing to yourself? As bad as Griffin had expected things to be, he was appalled at his experience. There were many white people who treated him with kindness and respect, but as often as not, he felt the hatred he described merely because of the color of his skin. One of the things he had not anticipated in his social experiment was the way he would be sexualized once people viewed him as a black man. Multiple times in the book, white men try to engage him in sexual conversation, and one of them even asks to see his genitalia. They treat him as an object, a novelty, rather than as a man. Even 60 years later, Black Like Me is still worth reading. It's not perfect. There are times where it feels a bit contrived or patronizing, but it's a strange, interesting book and a brave experiment and one that you should never, ever attempt yourself. But rather than nitpicking Griffin's methodology, we should appreciate his heart and his deep desire to combat the evils of society. He fought the Nazis in Europe, and he fought white supremacy at home, each in his own way, on his own terms. He was in some ways a resistance fighter to the end. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.